0: Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. All right, getting started. Diving in. Nope, not diving in. We are walking along the sides of the pool, touching the water while we do our crush corner.
1: (laughs) Contemplating whether or not we want to jump in the cold water or like slowly walk in or not
0: always walk in you have to allow your body to get used to it inch by inch it's the only way here
1: <laughs> see when i was young before uh-huh. i hit my 30s i used to like <laughs> jump in uh-huh but then actually i'll say my late 20s by the time i hit my okay. late 20s i was like i gotta walk in i'm too old for this <laughs> No, I'm definitely too old for it. it
0: Was it about was it about the temperature though, or was it about like your body falling apart?
1: All of the above.
0: Okay. Cause the way you're talking made it sound like the latter and I'm like, I don't like it doesn't matter what my body's like, at least so far, but it's the water. And I've never been the person to just jump in.
1: I think it also says a lot about our personalities too. Like you are not the kind of person that will ever just jump into something. There has to be planning first, or acclimating to the situation. I mean, i've
0: have i've done i've jumped into things on occasion, and it works out fifty percent of the time. I get it, but like there there is a risk there, and I'm not into that. But you're you've definitely been the person who's like, yeah, let's go for it.
1: I'm like, let's just do it. We'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> now, though, you are putting more value on your time and energy, though, as you get older, which is changing things. I yeah. get that. I get that
1: yeah so (laughs) i have a bedtime now i did not when i was younger
0: good times all right but with our corrections corner we did want to dive in a little bit more into when did the word of wisdom get fully adopted by the church as law and like kind of like when was it solidly like expected for us to follow it to the t so do you want to start off with what you found, Tracy? Yeah, sure. Because both put in some effort into this.
1: Yeah. So everything that I found said that it was officially a commandment in 1851 when Brigham Young put it to a sustaining vote in General Conference. that That's the quote that we talked about last week. To live by the letter of the law and abstain from tobacco, coffee, tea, alcohol, etc. Um, and then this next thing that I found is from Fair Mormon. I mean, I know it's Fair Mormon, but like still take it with a grain of salt. Um, It said on Fair Mormon that it wasn't being enforced in 1851, but that beginning in 1902, members were denied temple recommends if they had word of wisdom problems. And then by 1933, the General Handbook of Instruction was updated to include a question about the word of wisdom in temple recommend interviews and in priesthood ordination interviews. So. It was a commandment, but it was like, let's wean you off of everything over the next 50, 70, 80, whatever years. 80, 80 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So that does track with some more of what I was finding. Um, but but here's the thing. Like, Brigham Young wasn't super – he was specific, but he was also kind of flexible in a certain way. So I pulled some information from C. Partial's website, Keep a pitching In. Artist E. Parshall is a Mormon historian who is constantly, like, the website is amazing. You do need to go on to it sometime. Um, org And, like, they pulled together a lot of, like, really insightful information. And they've helped discover, like, a lot of information about the early Mormons. Like, it's very insightful. They pulled in some information from the discourses of Brigham Young, who said that we are commanded to observe every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, but then he also says that some people like elders of Israel, if you have the right to chew tobacco, you have a privilege. I have not, if you have a right to drink whiskey, you have a right that I have not. Um, if you have a right to transgress the word of wisdom, you have a right that I have not. I said to the saints at our last annual conference, the spirit whispers to me to call upon the Latter-day Saints, to observe the word of wisdom, um, to do all those things. That is what the spirit signifies through me if the spirit of God whispers this to his people through their leader and they will not listen or obey, what will be the consequences of their disobedience, darkness and blindness of mind with regard to the things of God, which will be their lot. Um, And they like lose some things. So like, he definitely says like, there are things that you need to be doing. Um, If you have the right though, like I don't have it, you might, but he's also saying at the same time in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command the elders of Israel to cease drinking strong drink, from this time henceforth. So there's just like kind of some wavering almost. Like sure you can do it. But I'm commanding you not to. Um, so I, I don't know. Like it's just been like a little bit of like weirdly nuanced stuff. of people I think choosing words in a manner that they want people to do things without accepting the responsibility of saying it. That's a vibe I was getting. And then there was um a piece pulled from the Lehiona back in December 1913. Keep a pitching in reference how references this and they says that President Joseph F. Smith said the reason undoubtedly why the word of wisdom is given as not by commandment or restraint which is said in the revelation was that, at that time at least, if it had been given as a commandment, it would have brought every man addicted to the use of these noxious things under condemnation, so the Lord was merciful and gave them a chance to overcome them before he brought them under the law. Later on, it was announced by Brigham Young that the word wisdom was a revelation and a command of the Lord. I feel like there's so many more nuances to this, though, so I don't totally agree with all this. But the facts are kind of against me in this situation, and I'm okay with that. It's confusing. It is. I mean, it's, like, super clear, but also, like, is it? It's like like though, because it was,
1: like, Brigham Young was saying, like, this is now a commandment. You've all voted in favor of it. Period. And then, like, oh, but you can still, like, slowly wean yourself off of everything over the next, like, 10, 20, 30. Oh, wait, you're actually in your 80s? You know what? Never mind. Don't worry about it. Just die drinking <laughs> coffee. It's fine. Like, Jesus will let you the stay. next generation worry about it.
0: Yeah. Well, then, also, like, why do they get to be the ones who vote if it's a commandment or not? I want to have a vote there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want to vote, like, do I get to drink coffee or tea? Like, they don't get They can make the decision for me, but I don't like it. Yeah. They can make the decision for the church. But
1: that doesn't mean we have to like it or be happy about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or technically follow it. Like we can do whatever we want. We can do what will work best for our bodies. We've discussed this a lot. Mm -hmm. But from this perspective, it's basically a commandment because the leaders of the church said it was Mm -hmm. more than anything else. So there we go. We, we, we can't keep going on this, but that's I guess that's where we're going to leave it. <laughs> Our lengthiest corrections corner yet. Yeah, true. Before we start today's discussion, we wanted to remind you all that Funeral Potatoes for the Single Sword is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network.
1: For those of you who are unfamiliar with Dialogue, Dialogue is a collective of independent and interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging inquiry and discussion into all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, arts, and culture. You can support our podcast and others in the network by
0: subscribing at DialogueJournal.com. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. You can learn more at DialogueJournal.com, so check it out
1: no other corrections corners so let's move on to today's episode today we are on part 2 of our my body is a temple series this week we are talking about purity culture we know that we have done episodes plural in the past about the law of chastity purity culture like all of this stuff but we wanted to go a different direction with this conversation than we have in our past episodes. So, if you need a full rundown about the commandment of the law of chastity, that is in our first season. I think it's within our first like 20 episodes. So, check it out. But today, we are going to be focusing on the crazy toxic culture that surrounds chastity in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and really any Christian community to be totally honest. Because once again, Just like we were talking about last week, we have taken a very simple doctrine and we have twisted it into something awful. Because we will be talking about purity culture, we also wanted to start with another trigger warning for everyone. This toxic atmosphere has caused a lot of pain in the past in various forms, so we want to make sure that you are aware of this as we dive in. Aside from the toxicity that pervades purity culture, we will also be discussing the weird aspects of cheating chastity that will get nasty, pun intended, as well as the misogyny that often overshadows purity culture in the church, and it will most definitely get infuriating. So this is your warning. You're going to hate this. Yeah, you're going to hate everything.
0: That's your warning. You will hate it for one reason or another. I
1: love it that this season we're just saying you're going to hate this. Like for every episode, you're going to hate this. That's true. (laughs) Let's talk about all the things nobody wants to listen to. That's a
0: perfect topic for a podcast. I mean, that's
1: literally why we started this podcast is to talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about, but still like the fact that every week we've been (laughs) like, you're going to hate this it's sorry. just so funny to me <laughs> sorry not
0: sorry oh my gosh that's true though yeah i mean i've been wanting to talk more about this stuff it's just like so weird it goes down so many weird corners and it's so easy to go off on like weird rants and it's been easier to just ignore like the rest of our culture does than deal this so or attack we're tackling it head head on today <laughs> 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 And everything, oh, everything's no, going to be a sexual that. pun today <laughs> too. See oh how gosh. many sexual
1: puns you can pull out of our episode. <laughs> pull out again. <laughs> Tracy. It's okay. I'm going to edit that one out. But no, that was a good
0: one though. You've been warned. <laughs> that was a good one. I will give you that. Thank you. It was unintentional. So was mine today anything goes truly all right <laughs> let's do it let's see this purity culture what is it i do expect most of us to know this but for those who need some more background or need an easier way to explain this to somebody if you're gonna talk to them about it at the Sorenex, purity culture can not be described as a subculture of evangelical christianity that peaked particularly in the 1990s with young girls pledging to their fathers to abstain from sex until marriage by wearing purity rings and is still present today. So I pulled this from an NBC article from last year about how purity culture and anti-Asian racism intersect and are tied to white supremacy. So I was just pulling some information from there, and that's a very clean overview, especially regarding how recent it has kind of popped up in the media and everything, um, but it definitely does go back further than that. Like, you'll see. You'll see.
1: I honestly saw, I think it was in Wikipedia. Our favorite source. It said that purity culture really started kicking up in like the 80s because it was like a rejection of the 60s and 70s free love movement that would make sense i think it's funny that like the 60s and 70s so like our parents essentially were wilding out in the 60s and 70s and then 80s and 90s they were like oh no i was a whore back then you cannot be a whore no one else can do what i did why are you punishing me for your bad bad decisions like
0: (laughs) yes also on a serious note it could pertain i don't have the proof for this but based on the time period the aids crisis yes that was also in my research too cool proof not on a good way but yeah because everyone
1: was it was another response to the AIDS epidemic yeah all right so according to the gospel coalition website which is a website for evangelical Christians written by theologians pastors and more it explained that purity culture is based off of 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 3 through 8 which says quote for this is the will of God your sanctification Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So, this equally surprised me and didn't surprise me that purity culture came from twisting the scriptures among multiple Christian denominations. So we know that there are references to sexual purity all over the scriptures, from Joseph refusing to lie with Potiphar's wife in Genesis, to this scripture in 1 Thessalonians, to the story of Corianton, the son of Alma the Younger, who was with a harlot in Alma 39, and then many, many more, which we'll get into later. Aside from all of the scriptural references, there are to abstaining from sex until marriage, in the LDS church specifically, we have pamphlets, lessons, manuals, and inspirational videos oh, no. and messages about the importance of abstaining from sex or sexual activity and sexual desires of any kind until marriage. It's literally around every dark corner in Christianity, and it is Wild. Oh my gosh. Okay, then I love
0: what you did pull up, how the nineties and eighties um they had this super surge of purity culture with the Mormon ads. Yep. Yes. I always forget about these just because I'm beyond that now. But I remember being like thinking they were the coolest things as a kid. I thought they were so corny (laughs) and I loved them. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be sharing them on Instagram. There's like one about like chastity is pure value because, you know, you only have value if you're Chase. And in case of temptation, break glass to get out your running shoes
1: and run. So corny. So corny. Goodness. Okay. There was also, Kaylee, I found this and I did not uh, watch the whole thing because it was 20 over 20 minutes and I couldn't I couldn't do it yesterday. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> um, there was a terrible 20 plus minute movie from 1982 called Morality for Youth where a bunch of youth go whitewater rafting to illustrate the dangers of flirting with immorality. <laughs> Flirting with immortality. It's available on YouTube. Immorality.
0: Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, flirting with immortality? Definitely fine. <laughs> flirting with immorality. I guess it's less fun. I don't know. Check it out on YouTube, guys. Goodness. All right. So we know that growing up in the church... Or in any religion, really. The whole purity discussion isn't really a thing until you're in your teen years, of course. Then it is literally everywhere and in everything. There is no escaping this. And we've talked about like the horrible lesson comparisons we received in our youth like as women in our Law of Chastity episode in season one. So we're not going to be bringing those up again because they are horrifying. But we did want to remind you all of that. The first introduction, we get to purity culture really hits us as we age out of primary to face the challenging world of adulthood at 12 to 13 years of age. Actually, no, now
1: 11. Yeah, now it's 11. Oh, gosh. this poor 11 year old I did not
0: want to know that stuff at 11. Although
1: I know that like with Come Follow Me, things have improved significantly for youth lessons. So their law of chastity lesson is not anywhere near as traumatizing as our law of chastity lessons were in young women. So slight improvement slight a little bit of progress there okay so one of the pamphlets
0: that we get as we age out of primary is for the strength of youth everyone's favorite nightmare the 1965 version is known pretty well it said very little sorry it said very little of sexual purity though it did expound on like women's hair curlers and so on At 16 pages long, please note that 16 pages, all it said of sexual purity was that virtue must never be placed in jeopardy. And it also said that, I just just had to include this, members of the church should be good dancers and not contortionists feel like that's a little like don't be too twisty i I don't know i just i just think it's but also
1: like the sexiest dance they were doing in 1965 was the twist so like that's true and we all know that was just like this well so like what that's yeah i
0: just think it's so funny Okay, and then like similarly, so as as we enter like youth dances and start going to them, we're always encouraged to like leave room for the spirit or leave room like enough for a quad, you know, all four books of scripture, like all the time, like while we dance with someone from the of the opposite gender, and then like during the faster songs, everyone's always like, you should be in groups and everything. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be too close to someone, and this is all taught quote unquote by leaders and never like really written down anywhere. So it just further perpetrates the distortion of the law of chastity doctrine and overemphasis of remaining pure in the church. It's garbage. Let's go on. So we do have the most updated version, of course, of the For Strength of the Youth pamphlet the most updated version is from 2011 from my understanding so that's over 10 years old now and that's what we would have grown up with for the most part
1: no 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 that's like me in the after what no oh the version that we had was updated in like 1996 yeah yep Ew. okay cool the white one yes good times
0: (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> trauma <laughs> hit me in the face <laughs> so okay so it there's been a few versions but now it's 52 pages 52 pages from 16 there is nothing about women's colors now but there are three pages dedicated to sexual purity because we can't say enough and it's almost like they want us to think more about it yeah
1: they do all right
0: so i'm going to read from it when you are sexually pure you prepare yourself to make and keep sacred covenants in the temple You prepare yourself to build a strong marriage and to bring children into the world as part of an eternal and loving family. You protect yourself from the spiritual and emotional damage that come from sharing sexual intimacy outside of marriage. You also protect yourself from harmful diseases. Remaining sexually pure helps you to be confident and truly happy and improves your ability to make good decisions now and in the future. The Lord's standard regarding sexual purity is clear and unchanging. Do not have any sexual relations before marriage and be completely faithful to your spouse after marriage. Do not allow the media, your peers, or others to persuade you that sexual intimacy before marriage is acceptable. It is not. In God's sight, sexual sins are extremely serious. They defile the sacred power God has given us to create life. The prophet Alma taught that sexual sins are more serious than any other sins except murder or denying the Holy Ghost.
1: So there we go. This is way too much pressure for 12 to 18-year-olds to be thinking about. It really is. Like, not only are their bodies already changing, but you're now telling them at 12, well, 11 now, but at 12, that because they're staying pure and not having sex, they're avoiding harmful diseases and building a foundation to a strong marriage. Bro, I'm 12. I am not ready to build a marriage. Also why you got to be threatening me like this? Sexual sins are more serious than any other sins except murder and denying the Holy Ghost. I get that it's in Alma. I get it. I know that's a direct quote from Alma, but like at 13 years old, all you're doing is terrifying me into never letting a man anywhere near me for fear that I might sin beyond the capability of the atonement to reach me because it's being equated to murder. My hormones are as dangerous as murder. That is what you are teaching me. That is not okay. <laughs> that does seem pretty problematic when you put it like that.
0: Yes, it is a problem. It and it, and it is it's a lot of pressure and it's very confusing because yeah, you're going to be so focused on like not letting the other genders like coming near you, and you're just being like, "Don't touch me! Don't touch me!" and if you're so focused on what not to do you're not going to be able to enjoy like what you can do and you're not going to have a good comprehension of
1: everything else like it, it takes away a lot like ugh, we get it we get it sexual purity is important to god like we get it a virtuous woman is more than rubies or whatever the heck it says in proverbs like we get it on the surface the doctrine of sexual purity sounds okay It sounds like staying, quote unquote, pure until marriage will keep you safe and it will keep you free from heartache and very spiritually developed in God's eyes. However, with a big fat however, explaining God's standard of sexual purity does not have to be followed up with fear tactics, threats of disappointing God, or setting up a poor foundation for your life. That's not how this works. That's not how the Lord works either. He doesn't say, like, okay, follow me, or I'll kill you. That's, that's No, that's very apt. <laughs>
0: that's what it is. Do this. You're done. You come, you go. I don't know. I don't know why I don't have words all of a sudden, but it's very messy. And in, ev- in every way, that just needs to be, like, toned down a lot to not terrify people so yeah and then also i mean okay i don't mind like learning about the diseases or anything but like it's very abstinence focused which is fair understandable that's how you say pure that's how you say chase whatever but like we've got proof of people only being taught abstinence it, that's where all the teen pregnancies arise so you're never going to be able to like control the population and keep them from doing this stuff whether it's just like in a school or within a church okay like kids are going to do what kids are going to do ultimately they really do need to be educated. But I've heard so many adults talk about how because we need to stay pure because we need to keep people, all the kids chase, we can't teach them anything. And then all they do is like teach them fear. That's like literally proven not to work.
1: There have been multiple studies that show that when you are teaching abstinence only programs for sex ed in high schools, that basically the states that are teaching abstinence only are the same states that have the highest rates of teen pregnancy. So- Like Yeah, let's let's not do that. Okay,
0: I I just wanted to get some thoughts like when did you become more aware of purity culture? And then when did you realize how wrong it was?
1: I don't know if I can pinpoint like an exact time when I realized that it was a problem or that it really like existed. I've talked about this before, but my high school taught very comprehensive sex ed, very, very comprehensive. So I never felt like I didn't know what was going on or I wasn't allowed to know what was going on or I was never allowed to talk about this because I knew that if anything, I could talk to my high school teacher about it and ask her any questions because she was the best. I loved her. So that helped a lot. Um, I do remember feeling like something was wrong and problematic when I was in college and girls were getting kicked out of SVU for having sex, but the boys weren't being kicked out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Which we did talk about before on the SVU episode and a couple other episodes. I remember feeling like something was wrong there, but I didn't personally feel the effects of purity culture until I was like – almost 27 and i had my first kiss Mm -hmm. and then it very quickly unraveled and it was very painful and i was like what so i'm a late bloomer but like Mm -hmm. that's when i think i finally it clicked in my brain that i was like what the hell is this like what is the problem what is going on here the nightmare
0: yes no that doesn't make sense and i definitely like see that in everything like i mean i was just online a lot as a kid and that's all i'm gonna say about it um (laughs) But like, yeah, like I didn't get I I mean, I wasn't in high school or anything for that. So I just started like learning more about like, OK, like, oh, this is like more of like what can happen. Oh, there are diseases like, OK, like that's good to know about. And then I also like understood that it was a thing because, you know, the Jonas Brothers got big in the 2000s and were like they they were wearing their purity rings and oh, my gosh, they took them off like it was drama. But it was more of like when I started getting into that blogging, like when blogging started getting like way more popular than usual and we're gonna actually be highlighting i think a few of the same ones that i remember reading so i was reading about the women who were so upset and frustrated with the sudden switch that you're expected to make of being pure until the moment you are married and then everything changes for you and that's when i realized it doesn't make sense and it doesn't make sense particularly for the women yeah so i feel like I've, I've, I've been there kind of since that point the idea of it is more traumatizing than anything else. But I also like don't know if like that's because I am asexual and everything or because of my personality or something. I don't know. But I've known for a few years now, like, and, and I was like, there's something wrong here. I like, it's weird. I don't like it. Let's just stay away from everything. Like, this is bad. It It is a very painful thing. Like, yeah, when you have to start unraveling everything that you grew up understanding and believing, and it's, it's ugly.
1: So let's jump into talking about the doctrinal end of this swimming pool of filth that we're looking at right now. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptural references of sexual purity that have set the tone for many of our chastity lessons or single adult firesides over the years. So we won't lie to you all. We don't know exactly where the law of chastity began in the scriptures or when the first commandment to avoid sexual sin came about. Um, We think it was something that's always just kind of existed in the scriptures. We know that Adam and Eve were commanded to multiply and replenish the earth after they were given to one another in marriage. And then we're kind of going to assume that that's where it started. But then we also know that it was later emphasized in Exodus 20 when Moses received the Ten Commandments and the commandment to not commit adultery was included. Like, it's always been around. Okay, it has been, but there's always
0: been like problems and like weird things attached to it. Like, like Abram. Yeah. Abraham having
1: like a second wife and things like that. So, like, there's always been weird loopholes and stuff like problems. It's always been weird. And the scriptures also provide multiple narratives and admonitions to avoid sexual desires beyond marriage in the Bible, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. So we've pulled one scriptural reference from each book to demonstrate this doctrinal principle. And we're not going to read like all of the scriptures because some of them are like 15 verses long, but we'll give you like a synopsis. So the first one in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible is Genesis 39, verses 1 through 12, which is Joseph refusing to lie with Potiphar's wife every time she would say, come and lie with me, you know, and he would be like, no, I got to go. And then in the New Testament, there's 1 Corinthians 6, verses 13 and 18, which I'll read because they're very short. It says, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And then Book of Mormon, we've got Jacob 2.28, which says, For I, the Lord God, delight in the chastity of women, and whoredoms are an abomination before me, thus saith the Lord of hosts, which I feel like I heard in every freaking chastity lesson as a youth
0: yes and so like and the thing there is that it sounds like whoredoms are only reserved for women yeah technically that's not true anyone can be a whore Mm -hmm. anyone like be one now be one later you can but it it feels very directed at women and i just don't appreciate that like most of the warnings about any kind of chastity is always directed towards the women and i'm like i know we like sex like i get it like a lot of people have been trying to pray, like, since, like, what, uh, Tiresias, the ancient Greeks, mm-hmm. um, being like, yeah, women, like, enjoy sex more. Okay, I get it. Like, that's cool. But, like, we're not typically the only ones involved. Yeah. So can you chill through this? That That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Do you want to do the last two? I would love to. All right. More men telling us what to do. Yep. Doctrine, Covenants, section 38, verse 42 says, and go ye out from among the wicked. Save yourselves, be clean, that bear the vessels of the Lord. Even so, amen. Okay. I always felt that was more like Gandalf telling everyone, Fly, you fools. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) this works. (laughs) All right. And then Moses 6 verse 56 says, Wherefore, teach unto your children that all men everywhere must repent, or they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God for no unclean thing can dwell there or dwell in his presence. Which is fair. We've we've been learning that since then. One thing I do feel like should get pointed out, though, also is that one of the more specific stories of a woman who was caught sinning then was, like, caught by Jesus during his lifetime and was dragged before him. She was caught in adultery. And he goes to her. He doesn't punish her in front of everyone. And he just says, like, go and sin no more.
1: Yeah, the way we handle it is not by exactly what the Pharisees wanted, which was to bring the woman out in the public square and stone her to death. But really, like, it's just pulling them aside and being like, hey, you want to not be a whore all the time, please? (laughs)
0: Let's work things out differently. I don't know. There is clearly a theme here beyond chastity. Like, hopefully you guys can see the pattern. Purity is of God. Avoid all impurities. Anything impure is dirty and of the devil. So we're going to twist this into another beautiful dirty tangent monologue thing. Tracy, take it away.
1: All right. Throughout the scriptures, we are taught the importance of purity and chastity. Chastity is purity. Purity is of God. God delights in the chastity of women and men. I just had to throw that in there myself. Okay. When you are pure, you are clean and worthy of living in God's presence. Additionally, when you are pure and clean, you're worthy of God's love. When you sin and have sex or act on your sexual desires, you're impure, unclean, and unworthy to be in God's presence. In fact, he's disappointed in you. Did you know that sexual sin is equal to murder? How do you think you can ever come back from that? You might as well never even try to fix things because you can never be whole again after what you did, you dirty, dirty slut. Yeah, 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 Jesus forgave the woman caught in adultery, but that was because she wasn't a baptized member and didn't know any better back then. You can't be forgiven for what you've done because you knew better and you did it anyways. Your repentance will be worthless because deep down, you know that you want to do it again, and you can't fully repent unless you're willing to fully forsake your sin and turn away from it. Even if you do, no one will want to marry you knowing that you've had sex before marriage. You're damaged goods now, and there's no coming back from that. So truly, just avoid any kind of sexual thought, contact, or joke, because once you start allowing a little sexual activity into your life, you can never, ever stop.
0: I'm not going to lie, when you brought up that one line, I thought this was going to go in another direction. And I was like, Tracy, that's not the kind of podcast we host. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <But>. <laughs> I had to put the puns in there somehow. Thank you. Very nice. Do you see how messed up that was, though? That was so messed up. Do you see how it started okay and then it deviated rapidly into hell? It did. That is literally what we've grown up with. And that's what we're creating with purity culture in the church. Like, I've had a lesson like that. That's definitely been my thought process. And,
0: like, I love how you threw in, like, the sexual jokes. Because I think some sexual jokes are super funny. And, like, when the whole that's what she says started getting popular, like, I was watching out for everywhere and, like, my sister has ever heard me say it to myself once. They are very shocked because of the, per- the quiet, weird person that I am. But it's just so funny sometimes. Even though it's very dirty, sure, and sometimes very not feminist-friendly. Um, but, yeah, you made a very clear point there. And I've been through that thought process. And I'm like, I can't ever do anything because I will literally go to hell for this.
1: That whole monologue it's a lesson that we've had in Fifth Sunday in our previous Singles Ward. Yes, good
0: time. That whole thing.
1: I was channeling our previous Bishop when I wrote that. I could kind of tell. So yeah, so it's very dangerous to go
0: on like this. Tracy gave a very clear example of how easy it is to lead ourselves down a very dark path of like of loneliness and despair and misery that we definitely don't need to be taking like it's very important that we are able to talk about chastity and sexual purity in a better context when we don't talk about sex in a healthy open and honest way not only do we create an environment that is filled with shame and fear like that one we're also stunting the growth of everyone involved which i absolutely love because i remember reading some stuff up on i think it was dr finleason five's website and she highlighted how mormons are sexually stunted which i was like well that doesn't matter then i was like wait no like it it does matter any kind of growth stunt issue there um means that we're not going to be properly equipped for what comes next
1: we're emotionally stunted too because of that Like, we don't understand how any of this works. We don't understand how intimacy works or happens. Not at all.
0: Like, yes. So that brought me some really interesting awareness that I've been, like, thinking about a lot, like, through the years since I first, like, saw that message. Because I never considered it that way. I just figured, like, okay, yeah, this is a problem. I don't really know how to fix it. And I don't know that I ever want to get married, like, to, like, care and fix this kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know what to do about this mess. Because, yeah, it causes problems.
1: Yeah. So we pulled some information for this section from Reckon South, which is a website by Southern Women dedicated to sharing stories of growing up in the South and reshaping the future of the region that has, since 2017 when it was founded, partnered with the International Center for Journalists and Solutions Journalism Network. They recently shared a fantastic series of articles in December of 2020 about how purity culture was taught to a bunch of Southerners growing up and what the impact was on their lives as adults. So I need to point out that these people are not Mormon. They're just like Southern Christians. They could be Baptist, evangelicals, like any denomination of Christianity, but they were all taught purity culture. That's the common denominator. So one article by Abby Crane in this series stated, quote, Many adolescents are taught at home, school, and church that all sex before marriage is dangerous and morally unacceptable. These teachings, along with the lack of sex education in public schools, can have lasting physical implications, according to clinicians. For many newly married women who adhere to purity teachings, that transition to being sexually active is not possible. Many patients are diagnosed with vaginismus, a physical tightening of the pelvic floor that can be triggered by a psychological reaction to being taught to withhold sexuality and the use of shame to urge against women having sex before marriage. In addition to sexual dysfunction, limiting sex education in churches and schools has also contributed to higher rates of teen pregnancy, sexually transmitted infections, and preventable gynecological cancers, end quote. That
0: was really good. And that highlighted more things that we hadn't even mentioned yet because, yeah, lasting physical implications. Okay, then actually the next article written there, I thought this was the same article I'd read years ago. It's not. This one's a lot more recent. But there's a lot that are just like this. There's a lot of similarities, yeah. Which is very problematic. All right, so this article was written by Anna Beam, B-E-A-H-M, in December 2020. She stated, I wore a purity ring until my wedding day. On my wedding night, I was so nervous and scared, I broke out in hives, much to the confusion of my husband. I grew up in a Christian household and attended a Christian school. I was taught that if I had sex before marriage, I would have less to give my husband. Becoming a sexual being was something that was dirty and scary. It was never beautiful or positive. As an adult, I've had girlfriends sit in my living room floor and cry because their incredible sex life promised by the church doesn't exist. I've heard friends' stories about how they married an abusive man because they had sex with him. Because if you have sex with him, you have to marry him. I didn't hear the term consent until I was in college. I carried shame about my body and worries that it was a weapon of mass destruction into my marriage. The hives would continue
1: beyond my wedding night. They're gone now, but I'm still insecure. So I wanted to share these stories because, one, they aren't from the LDS church, but they perfectly illustrate the problems with purity culture. I personally have heard countless stories from friends in the church who have gotten married without knowing anything about sex or intimacy and have been horrified on their wedding nights, their honeymoons, and then beyond. And usually it's all women because we are drilled very hard that if we have sex before marriage, we are horrible people who have nothing left to offer in a marriage. And these feelings of fear don't just vanish overnight because we're allowed to have sex now that we're married. It takes therapy. It takes lots of work to get over religious trauma like this. And then when we don't talk about sex in terms other than you're going to hell, we're not offering any information to people about how to have safe sex when you're actually ready for it. So we're putting people at risk for contracting serious illnesses, for spreading serious illnesses, we're putting people at risk for unplanned pregnancies and so many more health problems we can easily avoid when we have open conversations and we need to start changing that. We need to desperately. Amen. I've seen, like, okay,
0: so I've been, like, looking into, like, some history, like, through, like, fiction and nonfiction in different spectrums, and from what I've seen is that the more you set, like, sex and modesty and purity on a a pedestal, like, the more, like, people are going to, like, mess up and things are going to be worse for people, typically the women, but, like, where it's not as such, like, a big like hushed hushed thing where the women aren't all totally covered up and where sex is like accepted as a norm like people are going to be much better adjusted it just kills me that we've allowed this to this sort of thing to also like go on through so much history as a fairly recent media example you can watch bridgerton And they like, they kind of like show that story. Like I was very surprised. Like they brought that up Um, because there is a point where the girl goes to her mother and she's like, you didn't tell me anything about like to know for my wedding night. Like I went in there knowing absolutely nothing. Like how can you consent to something that you don't understand? How can you enjoy something that you don't understand? How can you expect a man to be able to be properly educated as well to teach his wife to do something? And is that going to be the best way for her to learn? like most likely not no there's just so many problems with this it creates an imbalance of power and women become the victims i hate it we we have to change that we can't allow for this kind of silence and judgment to continue to go on because it's only hurting women and when you hurt the women you are hurting society
1: conversely everybody get ready because this is the part that you're gonna hate the most you might want to skip
0: the next 20 minutes
1: so a subculture of Within purity culture emerges when we refuse to talk about sex, and that is the culture of loose attempts at chastity. This is the subculture that creates loopholes to chastity and allows people to do everything but in relationships, and then it leads to even messier situations in the long run. If you'll remember, last year on Twitter, there was an explosion of two phrases that We wish we had never heard about before, and we're going to say them now because if y'all don't know about it, you're going to learn today because it sucks. Those terms are soaking and jump-humping. Not only did those blow up on Twitter, but it made its way to BuzzFeed articles, Facebook, and other social media outlets that led Uh. people to ask the question, are the Mormons okay? Uh. (laughs) The answer is no. no. (laughs) <laughs> never okay. Oh, my gosh. For those of <sighs> you who don't know what soaking or gem pumping is, we are going to explain it. We would also like to remind you that this is all Utah's fault. This is all Utah's fault. I am blaming no one but Utah. It is. We warned you it's going to get weird. And here comes the weird everyone. Like, here it is.
0: And I mean, granted, some of this is like very niche. Like to like weird things. I don't even know because there's plenty of Mormons who don't know it, so it's okay that you didn't know this. If you did already know this, we're very sorry. And for everyone who's still listening, we're sorry, not sorry, because you're the one still listening here.
1: Yeah. So it's gonna go from bad to worse. Yeah. The first one is Nickmo, a non-committal makeout. It's pretty self explanatory. What most people are on mutual for. Yeah. So. The next one is Durfing. Which I have learned, this is what heavy petting is. Wait, is heavy petting dry humping? Yes. Durfing is dry humping. That's like an equal sign.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. Yeah. All these years we didn't know what heavy petting is. Now we know. I
0: thought heavy petting was like hand rubbing on all the things.
1: All right. Okay. The next one, soaking. I'm going to laugh during this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. This one is... Letting a penis-having person insert it into a person's vagina, but also just laying there, not moving whatsoever, because moving makes it sex. I
0: mean, to be fair, that's what I thought missionary position was for the longest time.
1: Also, there was a meme that went around where two people were soaking and God popped in in the corner. And he was like, it's okay, we're just soaking, we're not moving, he can't see us and then god like disappeared yeah so basically they're making the joke that god is like a t-rex and he can't see you if you're moving if you're not moving so no movement you're saying oh my god hate everything about that okay and the last one is the worst one of them all it's my
0: favorite this is just i'm trying to like imagine it in and i kind of don't believe this is real because it's just too much but also if it is real it's going to be the funniest awkwardest thing ever why
1: why okay I don't know. so this is jump pumping which is like soaking but now you add a third party into the room to jump on the bed creating the movement for you so you're having sex but you're not really having sex my question is two part one why would you invite <laughs> a third person into the room for that? And two, if you're the third person, why would you accept that invitation? Answer, voyeurism. Tracy, it's a thing. If any of my roommates <sighs> in college oh, asked me to be that jump pump person, I would be like, no, I'm not coming anywhere near you, you nasty freaking disgusting human i
0: was gonna say how would you react to this because this is the, no this, i i just can't imagine like hey you wanna <clears throat> come jump on the no like,
1: <laughs> how? how do you propose that that was the worst <laughs> i blamed utah this subculture can specifically <laughs> oh, be found in the mormon oh. belt or any super oh christian gosh. group technically But most recently, it has been fully exposed as a huge thing at BYU. People feel this intense pressure to remain pure while also wanting to explore their sexuality in a quote-unquote God-pleasing way. And it's awful. Here's the thing that makes it even worse. You were saying earlier how not talking about like sex and all of this stuff creates a really bad power dynamic between men and women in the church. In this subculture, if you are a girl who is willing to participate in any of those activities, you're basically immediately crossed off the list of being a potential marriage partner for anyone in the area. And like every guy knows that you will be down to do those things. But if you are actually like looking for a relationship or want to get married, they're like, no, she's not a relationship person. She's just someone that I go soak with. Or she's just someone that I can go Nickmo with and get my rocks off with. Like, no big deal. But she's never going to get married. You just get labeled like that immediately. And it's the worst. Yeah, that is true. And then they end up going to find some, like, virginal and pure woman who has been, like, innocent and never touched a man before in their life to marry. And it just increases that power dynamic and makes it even worse. It does. It
0: does. And then it reminds me, I, it, an article came out about BYU um, when I was in college at SUU. It was really highlighting the whole pressure to remain pure while exploring sexuality in a God-pleasing way. And they were talking about how, one, a lot of people were getting away with oral sex because it's kind of not sex. um, like, you know, like technicalities. And then also the article was very big about saying how there were a ton of kids going to get married in Vegas, doing everything that they want to, and then just getting it annulled.
1: That actually happened while my sister was in college. Oh, yeah. It was... Either her freshman or sophomore year at college, a lot of people from our home stake did that. What they is? ran off, eloped in Vegas mm-hmm. for the weekend so they could have sex and then got it annulled shortly thereafter. They ended up getting kicked out of BYU. Oh, all of my them. Oh gosh. Goodness gracious. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm not like super surprised. I just think the whole the whole thing is just there's so many problems in every angle you look at it, which is
1: that's just so problematic just go have sex (sighs) if you can't keep it in your pants just do it safely please
0: safely there are a lot of different options for you to use educate yourself on everything first with reliable resources if you're gonna make a mistake do it right make it count just yeah if you're gonna do something do it right please
1: this is why we're never oh going to get invited to speak at youth <laughs> conferences because That's we're advocating fair. for this. <laughs> I mean, honestly, no, they should. Yeah. That's the thing, though, because
0: we've already said and, we've sh- and we're sharing proof that we could easily like anyone could easily find and saying like, you do need to be aware of this. So we should be the ones who are educating people on <laughs> this.
1: I don't know what the results would be, but I think they'd be good. Straight up. Someone, I can already foresee this. Someone's going to be like, so Kaylee, Tracy, what would you say to like a 17-year-old who's really struggling with the law of chastity? I'd be like, just go have sex. Condoms. Pill. Spermicide. The foam. Everything. Consent. Just go do it. Yeah. They need to know. They need, they need
0: to know. They need to know. Yeah, we might not get invited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so on this tangent... Yeah. How do we fix this? Where do we go from here? How do we change the narrative of purity culture into something that's constructive and helpful and non-threatening? Seriously, we make it into such a big thing because it's such a big punishment. It
0: must be such a big deal, Um, which then it's like this tantamount thing hovering over our heads constantly. So there are a few things that we can be doing to to help ourselves um, and to potentially help those around us. Um, because I definitely like try to, like, if the comfort kind of conversation comes up, I do try to be like, okay, like, let's make sure we're looking at this the right way. Like, no one's less worthy because they're not the same kind of pure that you expect them to be, and so on. So, we have three recommendations for people to take away. First off, unlearning the lies. That is a process. It is not something you can just check off a list. You need to unlearn the lies that you've been taught, that you have been raised, and the ones that you believe. You need to find out what they are and you need to start unlearning them. Two people that you could try following, for example, on social media to learn more, you could follow Dr. Julie Hanks and or Dr. Jennifer finlayson Fife. We've referred to them both in the past. We've posted about them in the past. They're very helpful sex-related educators who are very insightful and are religious. So they come from that perspective as well and are trying to help people to have a better perspective on their bodies and sexual relationships
1: and purity culture. Yeah. The second thing we think we need to do is to start having open dialogues with the youth and YSAs about sexuality Sex and intimacy that are both scientifically accurate and spiritually open. Because I don't think we realize that we're teaching the law of chastity to the youth with scare tactics. I don't think we realize that that's what we've been doing all this time. We are literally doing the mean girls, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die lesson. And then we include like the chewed gum, toothpaste squeeze out of a bottle, or like spit in a drink. Object lesson because we think that those are more illustrative of why it's so important to obey the law of chastity. We should be using law of chastity lessons as opportunities to teach the youth about how to make safe decisions, how to draw boundaries with their bodies, how to enforce those boundaries, and how the atonement can also cover sexual sins. We need to be emphasizing on that aspect if we're going to be talking about it in a spiritual. Sense whatsoever
0: yeah so that's like one of my favorite points and then number three of course is to stop treating sexual sin as the equal of murder it's not i mean it shouldn't even be a tiebreaker in your relationships or anything because i remember reading that in a mormon um, romance story and he's like oh i can't marry her now and then i was like why not like she's still the same person but anyways the atonement covers everything the atonement covers everything
1: Okay, let's think about this logically for a second. You have two men in front of you, depending on your sexual preference, two people in front of you that both want to date you.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: One of them has murdered five people. Okay. The other one has had sex with five people. Who would you rather be with? No, you have a very good point. I mean, you can't even equate it. Like, it does not make sense logically. It doesn't. And I just
0: feel like I know so many people who'd be like, it is the same thing. I would never marry just to save myself. And we're not we're not saving ourselves for christ we're Mm-mm. going to see our heavenly parents and everything in the next life like let's enjoy this one like just stop treating sexual sin as the equal to murder i mean all sins are kind of serious like you shouldn't be treating all of them lightly we should be treating them with an awareness um, a conscience consciousness to them um and then respect to the atonement and to the print repentance process I feel like that's what we need to be focusing more on rather than the sin.
1: We're almost undercutting the atonement when we say that the atonement doesn't cover sexual sin. That is very true. We're limiting what the atonement can and can't do. Very true.
0: Okay, then one final note is about the personal choices when it comes to purity culture and everything that we do about it. Because not everything is always under our control, unfortunately. We haven't really talked about sexual assault or rape. We're not going to touch on it too much here, but we do want to make some quick points. I learned a lot, especially when Eliza Smart started speaking up um, after everything that happened to her. She's an activist now. She's written books. She's talked to thousands and millions of people about her experience of, you know, being raised in the church and, um, being kidnapped being sexually assaulted and then having had a few opportunities to escape but fearing that she would not be welcomed back because she was no longer pure and that's a mentality that a lot of women will have within purity culture and that's not okay Rape happens to the majority of women, as we can see. And it's typically by people that they know. As well, many men and people of all genders do get sexually assaulted. If someone doesn't consent wholeheartedly to the act the entire way through, then it counts as sexual assault. It is rape, and that is never okay. That is never never permissible under anything. But it is important that we do highlight that that is the fault of the perpetrator. There is no oh, she wanted it, they were dressing for it, and so on. There's no excuse to allow for that. It is possible to be assaulted at any age and even or especially by your partner. So it's very possible for so many bad things to happen. But we do want to make sure that we state that being assaulted does not make a person unworthy. It doesn't invalidate their desire or expectations to be pure or taste or a good person overall. Being sexually assaulted doesn't make you any less of a person having something insanely terrible done to you does not make you a failure nor do you lose an ounce of your self-worth there is nothing for you in that situation to repent of amen we did want to make sure that we pointed that out because that's very important to highlight when we are talking about sexual purity about self-worth about consent and everything else
1: exactly so as we wrap up the episode we wanted to just re-emphasize the fact that Purity culture is less about keeping people clean and pure and more about exerting power and pressure over people. What started out as simple doctrine of don't have sex until marriage has warped into this whirlpool of crazy and terror. As we've discussed how our bodies are temples and houses of God, temples and bodies require regular routine maintenance, and that includes repentance. We are not here to tell you all to go run out and have sex as soon as you can. Your choices are between you and your heavenly parents, but we want you to remember that you need to be easier with yourself and give yourself more grace. Give others that same grace as well, especially with purity culture. By reminding yourself that if you do do something sexual and you feel badly about it, you can repent of it. It's fine, the Lord will take care of it. He's not going to damn you to hell forever because you had a sexual thought or a sexual action. That's literally what the atonement is for. Again, like Kaylee shared, if you've been sexually abused, you are not guilty of any sins and you do not need to repent. God loves you regardless of your sexual history. And we want to remind you all that you need to calm down with the threats and the fear tactics when you're teaching the law of chastity to people because it's really not doing anything but driving people away from the church and driving them away from our heavenly parents. I don't want to say God doesn't care but I can tell you that he cares a lot less about your sexual history than the fact that you might be murdering someone.
0: Although he might judge you a little bit for soaking.
1: Oh, he's judging you hardcore for soaking. He can see you. He is not a T-Rex. So hard. Very hard. <laughs> he sees you when you're yes. sleeping, and he knows when you're awake. <laughs> <laughs> he's Santa. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, going in the computer accidents here. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but
0: yes so as we wrap up this episode and continue on with our my body as a temple series we invite you to consider how purity culture has affected your beliefs and how you can go about having a better awareness consciousness and belief system around not just purity but around your own body and everything that you are and everything that you can be yeah there you have it yep we hope you enjoyed this messy episode and it
1: just got worse and worse as we went along didn't it it sure did that's what we're here for
0: i need to go wash out my mouth or something
1: (laughs) i'm gonna go wash everything (laughs) Uh, gosh okay well thank you guys for joining us this week next week we're going to be talking about
0: ooh the surface level of our bodies and
1: temples plastic surgery tattoos and more yeah so that one should be fun it'll be a good time so join us next week and we will talk to you then yep Bye. bye